electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, Uber CEO Derek Hazarshahi says the rideshare service is bouncing back. If the world were just an Uber world, we'd be celebrating because the business is incredibly strong and the outlook for Uber itself is strong. He's giving strong guidance on the journey ahead. The consumer, and especially the U.S. consumer, remains strong, and they're spending, and they're moving a bunch of their spending from essentially retail to services, and we are in the service sector. And the White House threatening a new windfall profits tax on oil and gas companies. Give me a break. Enough is enough. As that industry sees record profits. Yes, capitalism on the whole works. I'm not going to be divisive today. Have you ever heard of when you tax something more that you get more of it? Plus the 2020s versus the 1970s for market performance superlatives and others. 1976, anyone remember the big red machine? Will we ever see a lineup like that again? No, we haven't since and we never will. It's Tuesday, November 1st. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back to buy in three, two, one. Cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. An incredibly strong month for stocks. This was a month that all the major averages did very well, but it was really the revenge of the old economy, the Dow Industrials. Check that out, a gain of almost 14% for the month. And as Joe mentioned, that was its best monthly performance since 1976. We did see a little bit of a pullback yesterday, but not enough to ruin that record. S&P was up too. It was up by 8%, and then the NASDAQ was up by 3.9%. Again, technology, if you kind of take a look at what's happened from those all-time highs, technology has suffered the most. When we've had good months, it's had the least of the, the strong moves on some of these issues. The Dow is now down 11.4% from its all-time highs. S&P is down by about 20%. And then the NASDAQ, even after the gain of almost 4% this past month, still down 32% from the all-time high. And some new inflation data out of Europe showed consumer prices were 10.7% higher in October than a year earlier. That is the fastest rate of increase since the group's records began, and it was much higher than economists were expecting. We're hoping we don't get reads like that here. Maybe some moderation in inflation. Maybe. They're already swiveling over there, too. That's the, yeah. that's the weird thing. The banks. Because They're of already the concerns. pivoting a little. Yeah. yeah, because of concerns about energy prices and what all of that's going to mean. But that's Deep recession. Right. right. Meantime, uh, energy giant BP reported strong third quarter profits overnight, lifted by high commodity prices, underlying replacement cost profits, which used as a proxy for net profit, came in at $8.2 billion. That's up from $3.3 billion a year ago. BP also announcing an additional $2.5 billion in share repurchases. And you have to imagine, especially in the UK, there will be more and more debates about windfall taxes when they see those profits and then they see the share buybacks. That becomes what has become the sort of talking point du jour with, with so many of these fossil not fuel companies. Not just right. it's, it's wrong-minded. I, I'm not going to be divisive today, but um, have, have you ever heard of 
when you tack something more that you get more of it. So it just, the other thing is, yeah, buybacks. In this day and age, if you are going to risk your capital like shareholders risk their capital in something that's as uncertain, has as uncertain a future as oil production, if it does work out for you, you ought to reap those rewards. And, it, and, it, and the oil companies aren't setting the prices. It's a global price for oil. So when the times are really lean and they almost go out of business, when oil goes negative or is at 20 or $30 a barrel, they put up with that. And, and then you have, you know, what, how much is too much profit for Silicon Valley companies? How much is when Moderna and Pfizer end up reaping billions because of they were in the right place and right time for a pandemic and they earned is so the, the whole thing none of it makes it's the way capitalism works and the other thing is we know that it's never going to happen in this country so why demagogue it why sit there and talk about it and posture and pose you're probably going to lose the house so you can't even do it now and then when you lose the house you're certainly but i don't want to be Be- divisive because or, because you play to your base when you do this i mean it's, okay it's a very fine strong, so it's, it just and it, it causes more just you know elizabeth warren's pontificating about it it's it's not the way things work and it's totally counterproductive because when you tax something you get less of it the whole reason that where prices are where they are is because we haven't produced enough in a related story president this is what we're talking about president biden is calling on oil companies to lower prices in an address yesterday, President pointed to record profits for some of the biggest oil companies, while prices remain high at the pump for many Americans. Rather than increasing their investments in America or giving American consumers a break, their excess profits are going back to their shareholders and they're buying back their stocks so the executive pays are gonna skyrocket. Give me a break, enough is enough. Look, I'm a capitalist. You've heard me say this before. I have no problem with corporations turning a fair profit or getting a return on their investment in innovation. But this is remotely what's happening. President uh, accused oil companies of uh, war profiteering. He threatened to seek a new windfall profits tax on major uh, oil and gas companies unless they, now he wants them to ramp up production. Just put that, putting them out of business, the fossil fuel industry, just put that on hold. Now we want to ramp up production to curb the price of gasoline. In response, uh, the president of the trade group, the API, American Petroleum Institute, accused President Biden of politicking, noted that gas prices have come down by roughly a quarter this summer. He urged the White House to get serious about addressing the supply and demand imbalance uh, that he says caused the higher gas prices and created long-term uh, energy challenges. So we'll go through this uh, kabuki dance. I guess, again. Which Look, when you heard from nowhere. Exxon and Chevron last week, Exxon made a big point of how much more they had increased production um, as a result of some of these things and a, a, as a result of investments they made several years ago when oil was not anywhere near these levels that they are trying to be counterproductive. If you reflect back on the last five to six years when most in our industry were stepping back, our company was leaning in investing at a rate much higher than our competitors in anticipation of what was to come and as a result of that, when the call came, we were here, we answered it, we had the volumes. You invest money when prices are low, when you can get the help, you can get the piping, you can get everything for cheaper where, prices. Where, where do they want the, where would the windfall profits tax, what do they want to use it for? Because I, I, that's the other thing. I, I'd rather have the oil companies using the profits to try and produce more. 
I don't know what what's the government okay, so here's the question what's the government going to okay. use it for so, but, but what would you use the taxes would you give it a rebate to consumers when we're trying to hurt demand by raising interest rates you want to give it back maybe, to them? I, I don't know well, why was, would you give it back to no, one that feds already trying to would, hurt demand this. what is the, the to me there's a different question which is you look at what BP just did with the share repurchase yeah we can have a debate about whether that's a productive use of the money or not but the true productive use of the money if you wanted more if you wanted more oil long term would be for them to invest to invest more in oil fields in drilling in production and why, do they not why do they not want to transition no, I know. in 10 years i understand that <laughs> if you so, want to transition in 10 years that's the problem well so or or be investing by the way in new new solar or new wind or new something right you'd want that money and it, this goes to the whole debate about buybacks versus versus buybacks dividends what whatnot or using that money in some other way to invest. Now, investing back in your own shares is different than if you dividended out to your shareholders and said, go with God, do whatever you want to do with it, and if well, you want to invest similar, in something though. else productive, it's a return to shareholder. I, I hope that works. The question is, is it a return to shareholder? It, it, Obviously, it that's been one of the great debates about buybacks forever. But and I, I, look, you're, you're I'm, asking you're not, you're, them you're to take not, a big I'm leap not, of faith in, 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 what if they do invest more in production and then you just end up taxing more of that? Why, in none of these things, are conducive to heavy, and, and you, I guess you just have to come back to the notion, do you think that the profit incentive works? Do you think that the basis of capitalism works? I think and that's where the, you're looking for, to, for shareholders, you're looking for a return, you fund risk. First of all, I, to I get a return. this issue, not even to suggest it to, I mean, it is an issue in the US, in the UK is where they're having this debate. You know, they've been having a debate about windfall taxes on, on fossil fuels and so many other things for years and years and years. That's why I even raised the concept. I'm not arguing, There's nothing. I'm not arguing in favor of it. What <laughs> right. I'm suggesting is, yes, capitalism on the whole works. And the, the conundrum is there are going the, the to be times the when incentive. on the edges, and I'm not saying there's an edge case or not, there are certain things you'd want more productive uses of capital if possible. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but it, it has to be market forces that yes, you like the market capital forces. to where it's going to you'd go. Like and if you skew and those, then the question is, how do you, how do you, how do you, you help take away incentives and skew it here? How and, do you help set those market and, forces? And, you know, the U.K. is one thing. The Eurozone is another thing. I don't want to imitate anything they've done over there, energy-related. Nothing. Zero. <laughs> I'm glad you put the emphasis on energy-related. Yeah. Because I was like, hmm, Well, I don't want to do things. anything. So, you know, <laughs> they, 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 a lot of the way they run things over there, they got, you know, 25 different countries with the same trying to use the same currency with different fiscal authorities. That's never going to work either. A confederation of states. I love Paris. I know you do. But the I know you do. frickin' the Eiffel Tower's not on at night anymore. We're, we're going to get you a... Did you uh, know that? They had to turn I, off the lights of the Eiffel Tower, so enjoy. We're going to get you a, an Uber <laughs> so that you can get around Paris. Uh, we've got a programming note for you. Uber is set to report later this hour. I'm actually headed over in just a moment to Uber's headquarters, where we're going to bring you a first on CNBC interview with CEO Dark House Rishaki. I'll see you guys in just a little bit, Joe. Are you taking an Uber over to Uber? To Uber? No, but that would be good. <laughs> what if it's too expensive, though? Let me find out. Actually, you know what? Take just, for, just for fun. I got take a I'm lift over. Take a lift over to Uber or a taxi. No, I'm going to find out how Watch much. Watch yourself do you, on the, the Uber, taxi. Do you Uber, okay, Uber. let's go. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, Andrew heads to Uber headquarters in New York. Did you take an Uber over there? It was too expensive for my taste. Oh my God. <laughs> 
to speak with CEO Dara Khosrowshahi on the company's strong quarter, new rules for independent contractors, and how the rising price of gasoline has affected drivers. We're definitely concerned. We want our cost to our drivers to be as low as possible. And the good news is used car prices are coming down, new car prices are coming down, gas prices in the U.S. are elevated, but generally moving in the right direction. And we are seeing now more and more drivers flip over to electric vehicles. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This is Squawk Pod, and we're picking up, well, not quite where we left off. Good morning, and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick. See it? Remote work, uh, Andrew, really does. Uh, you could be anywhere, but you are, in fact, at Uber uh, headquarters uh, this morning, getting ready for our first on CNBC interview with Uber CEO Dara Khosrowshahi. Do you take an Uber over there, uh, Andrew? I, I did not take an Uber down here. It was it was too expensive for my taste. No, that's oh not my true. God. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, no, no. Uber just out with quarterly results, seeing booking surging from a year ago and revenue coming in above analyst forecasts. We're going to break it all down because right now we're going to spend some time first here on CNBC at Uber's New York City headquarters with CEO Derek Kosrishani. Good morning to you, sir. Great to be here. So uh, a good earnings report. The market likes it. I don't know how much the market liked the last quarter versus what they really, I think, probably like is the guidance for next quarter at a time when a lot of people are starting to worry about what the next quarter looks like. How much do you think what's happening at Uber, I want to get into all the numbers, though, is a barometer of the larger economy? Well, I think it definitely is a reflection of where the economy is going, where the consumer, and especially the U.S. consumer, remains strong uh, and they're spending and they're moving a bunch of their spending from essentially retail to services. And we are in the service right. sector, right? If you're going out to restaurants, cities are opening up, uh, you're taking Ubers, and Uber Eats growth continues at a strong pace as well. It adds up to gross bookings of 29 billion, up 32% on a constant currency basis. And you're seeing our EBITDA margins continue to improve as well which is why we gave out the healthy outlook of 600 right. to 630 okay, so million. So let's just talk about the, the various businesses. Mm-hmm. So the mobility business, meaning I get in the Uber, yeah. I go somewhere, that business is, is, is still growing remarkably. The delivery business, growing, but a little bit slower than I think 
it had been growing, fair mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. And then there's the freight business, which is actually a fascinating business because I don't know whether you think that's the beginning of sort of when you start to think about the supply chain and you start to think about the broader economy. That was the slower part of the business. Yes. And, and we've always talked about Uber being an all weather company. Whether things are reopening or closing, right now, the mobility business is incredibly strong. EBITDA margins at all-time high, 6.6% of gross bookings. And delivery continues to grow. We actually accelerated a little bit off of Q2. And what we're really focused on delivery is profitability. The profitability of that business is improving radically. EBITDA of $181 million in the quarter. Uh, And we will keep pushing. Freight is absolutely feeling the effects of shipping costs coming down. Ultimately, that's good for the industry at large. Okay. The big question everybody has is what's really going to come next in this economy. You don't see a recession coming or you don't feel one. I mean, we have this sort of interesting issue. A lot of CEOs coming on saying right now we don't think there's a problem, but we're, we're, we're afraid like everybody else because everyone says there's a problem. Big tech obviously has had a problem. The advertising world has had a problem. You're getting into the advertising business. We can talk Very about much. that in a second. But you look out to 23 and you think what? We are being cautious when we look at our own business we feel tailwinds, right? Mobility opening up, the growth there has been dynamite over 40%, and the delivery business is sticky, 13% growth this last quarter, constant currency. We are operating on a cautious basis, even though if the world were just an Uber world, uh, we'd be celebrating because the business is incredibly strong and the outlook for Uber itself is stronger. Okay, selfish question you probably heard me talk about on TV. How much of these profits are a function of the fact that I think you've act, you're now a premium service. It used to be that UberX competed with, with taxi cabs in places like New York City. Um, and now it, it just costs more, pretty much. It always feels like it costs more. Well, prices- And I know you have New York City taxi cabs on the platform. Yes, yes, so prices definitely have, have come up. Although I will tell you that our, the number of drivers that we have now on a worldwide basis is at an all-time high. In the U.S., we're about 80% recovered in terms of drivers back to the service. And prices, Q3 over Q2, in terms of surge levels, pricing levels, have started to modulate. So we know our job is to bring on more drivers to the platform, make sure that they earn at healthy levels, and they are. They're earning 36 bucks an hour. The average driver is 36. 36 bucks an hour. And that, that's uh, and coming down, or that, that's coming down slightly it's from come, where it was It's before. come down slightly from 37 to 36, but those... Those earnings levels are very robust, uh, along with the flexibility that comes with driving as well. And we're hoping to continue to meter pricing to the consumer over a period of time. That may help explain my my Uber cost. When it comes to your drivers, you have been in a uh, battle, as you know, uh, around this country and around the globe over whether these are employees or contractors. President Biden publicly coming out with, with a proposal effectively to make a lot of your drivers, employees, how do you think that changes this debate that you've been in now for a very, very long time, but now at a federal level? Well, the proposal really goes back to the laws as the way they were during the Obama era, which was one of the best times for Uber's growth. Uh, And the communication from from various folks in the administration is they don't expect any large uh, reclassification uh, happening, which would happen with Uber. The fact is Uber is getting flexible earnings with an average of $36 an hour now uh, for hundreds of thousands of Americans and drivers all over the globe. That is a force for good. Uh, And it happens to bring a 
great service for consumers all around the world as well. One of the things uh, we just mentioned earlier was the advertising piece, which is new. I see it now uh, in the app. How big a business do you ultimately think that can be? And what do you think about launching that business in an environment where advertising is uh, challenged, dare we say? Well, that business is one of our star businesses. Uh, we now have over $350 million run rate as it relates to that business, so the growth rates are very high. And we're targeting to get to a billion dollars by 2024. Advertising, as you know, is a very high margin business. And as you said, our consumer is an incredibly attractive consumer. Uh, and the relationship that we have with our consumer, because they tend to use our product over and over again, is quite strong. So we are a platform that's attracting tons of advertisers right now. And we see a lot of growth ahead of us. Um, Got to ask you about Canada and pot. You're selling can you're, you're, you're delivering pot in Canada. You are delivering pot, yes. What's that experience been like? And do you imagine delivering pot in the United States? If it becomes legal on a federal basis in the United States and there's demand for it, and I do think there will be demand for it, we'll look to deliver it. You know, the, we want the Uber Eats experience to be anything, you know, in your home. Whether Is there a it's, product you wouldn't deliver? Uh, you, you know, I think ultimately uh, we, if the laws of the land allow us, allow consumers to be able to consume one thing or the other, you know, we trust our consumer. Uh, so I, I don't know if we want to get into those kinds of editorial decisions. How concerned are you about the price of, of gas, the price of oil, in terms of how it relates to the rest of the business, to the driver and everything else? We're definitely concerned. Uh, we want our cost to our drivers to be as low as possible. And the good news is used car prices are coming down. New car prices are coming down. Gas prices in the U.S. are elevated, but generally moving in the right direction. And we are seeing now more and more drivers flip over to electric vehicles. So in California, for example, 9% of our miles this last quarter were in EVs. So we're really starting to and there's a push. premium on those cars. There's a premium on those cars because consumers love them. They're, they're and consumers are willing to pay for it. Uh, they are. And we take a cut of our own booking fee uh, out of our own pockets and hand it over to the drivers to make sure that driving an electric right. vehicle becomes monetarily more attractive for, driver, okay, for the so driver. So then base. way into this debate, and we were talking about it earlier this morning, you know, uh, President Biden was out talking about a windfall tax on oil companies. There's a big debate in the United States about whether we're, uh, you know, incentivizing enough uh, drilling, uh, enough production of, of gas and oil at the same time that we're also trying to move towards electrification. Where's the balance for you? So I think the balance is to work on supply and demand, right? We were short drivers last year, same time. We made a big investment in increasing the supply of drivers out there to bring prices down, right? Uh, and even though driver earnings are at an elevated and robust level, uh, and I do think that the administration should look to increase supply when they make pronouncements like windfall profits, et cetera, they're essentially decreasing supply by discouraging additional investments. So the, the focus should be for consumers, for the world, et cetera, as we make this transition to incentivize companies to invest in supply and increase supply so that prices come down for the consumers. I want to bring Becky in in just a moment, but I have one more question for you, which is Elon Musk uh, buying Twitter. Yes. There has been some speculation that Twitter could ultimately turn into a sort of super app, a front end that also could compete with Uber, which is to say that he wants to be in the robo-taxi business, as you know. And if you marry what this sort of large user base that lives on Twitter, if you can get that piece of it right, 
and he could marry the robo-taxi business, all of a sudden it gets pretty interesting. What do you think? I think that there are a lot of ifs there, but I would never, ever underestimate Elon. Uh, we have been in an unbelievably competitive market all over the world. And because of the power of the platform, because of the innovation on Uber, we have done more than fine. And if he gets into the game, it's going to be a fun you're game. A tw- you're a Twitter user. I see you on Twitter. Yeah, Are you staying a Twitter user? I know there's a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely I am. Listen, let, let's see what happens. I don't want to prejudge anything. Becky? Hey, thanks, Andrew. Uh, Dara, uh, great to see you. Thanks for joining us this morning. I just had a question about that Labor Department proposal. This is a rule proposed that would make it a lot tougher for companies like Uber, Lyft, and others to classify gig workers as contractors, in other words, to force them to be made employees. I know we've talked about this in the, in the past when California's proposed rules like this. I just wonder, um, A, if you've done anything internally to try and make that differentiation between employees who are working 40, 50, 60 hours a week and those who are just kind of picking up shifts here and there, um, and, and B, what you would do if this rule um, does become permanent. Well, the vast majority of drivers or couriers on the platform are quite part-time, right? They're working 10, 20 hours or less. And again, that uh, DOL rulemaking um, didn't, uh, uh, didn't anticipate large mis- uh, reclassifications one way or the other. We think the right way forward is essentially independent contractor along with benefits and protections, minimum wage uh, protections and or health care or other kinds of benefits as well. And we are sponsoring. That's what Prop 22 in California was uh, was about. It was a landslide win there. And we are now working state by state by state. Uh, Washington State is another example where we are getting legislation into law that protects flexibility, that protects independence, but also uh, comes in with protections as well. We think that's the right way going forward. Are you doing anything to make that kind of company-wide and just doing it instead of trying to go state by state to do it? Because I would think if you just went ahead and did it, it might prevent some of these federal or state by state fights from happening. Whatever we do has to be in dialogue with every single state uh, as well. So we are uh, now having dialogue on a state by state level. Okay, thanks. Sure. Before we let you go, I wanted to just talk to you about what you think the growth prospect looks like, because we've talked about growth since, since the first day when you went public. When you look at Brazil, which is, you're killing it in Brazil. It's, I, I mean, I think close to 7% of every Brazilian is in, a, is in an Uber once a week. It has used their service, yes. Right. Brazil is a really great market for us. So what is working there, and what do you have to do to get numbers like that in the U.S. or, frankly, anywhere else? Well, I think what we see in Brazil is that the supply of drivers is very significant, and the price of the service is lower. That's why we want to add more drivers into the service as well. Uh, and then in Brazil, you know, mass transit, et cetera, is less developed than, let's say, in some of the other countries. So the alternatives to Uber are less attractive as well. Ultimately, what we think is, as we add in new use cases, you've got right. UberX, you've got uh, EVs, you've got buses. We even now are developing high-capacity vehicle. Get 10 people, 15 people into an Uber. As we introduce taxis, we become more and more relevant and we can increase the frequency of use of our service, which is what it's all about. And then one final note, uh, we did talk about a loss this, this quarter. We talked mm-hmm. about a lot of the good things, but the loss was largely a function of readjusting the valuation of Didi. Yes. Uh, we've talked a lot of times over the years about what to do about this stake in Didi. So what to do about this stake in Didi at this point? Do you keep it? Do you get rid of it? 
What's the, what's the gamble here, and what's the gamble on China or not? I think ultimately we will look to monetize that stake. It's not a strategic stake. I think the good news, Andrew, is we are strongly free cash flow positive, right? Over 600 million of free cash flow year to date. The free cash flow is only going to increase over a number of years. We can take our time monetizing that, that stake, but it is something that we'll, that, that we'll look to monetize and put the capital on the balance sheet or use it to buy back stock, for example. CEO of Uber Technologies, Dark Kashwashaki. It's great to see you, sir. You bet. Thank, Thank you. you. Guys, back to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head uptown. I may take an Uber to come visit with you. You, you should. And, you know, Andrew, supply and demand. Dara's got it. Supply and demand. It costs what it costs. Just, uh, it's worth it. It's worth it. You get what you pay for. Good things are You have a cheap. great customer here. Do you know this? I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've been I watching heard, recently, heard, but yeah. Joe is, is now like, he's, he's all in. I love I it, Joe. Dara, Thank you very much. I, you, you, I told, I told you, you that night. You should become an Uber One member. Yeah. <laughs> I told you that night, Dara, that it was, it was raining. There's no way. I would have walked 40 blocks with my family, and I'd probably be dead or have an ice pick in my eye or something. But, uh, you know, but it was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I love you it. Later. Thank you for being a customer. All uh, right. You're welcome. Coming up, a meme's return, thanks to Elon Musk. More Squawk Pod is after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod on the first day after the best month for the Dow since 1976. Here's someone who remembers 1976, Joe Kernan. People are arguing with me about whether there was a better line. There was never a better lineup than the Big Red Ever Machine. In the there, there, no, there wasn't. I'm not kidding. I mean, I, I, I mentioned the great ones, and then there's four I've left out. The Black Sox. <laughs> Let's. Uh, someone said, "Well, the Red Sox almost won." Yeah. Well, the next year. They, they swept the Reds, swept the Yankees. Probably the greatest moment in sports history for that to happen to the Yankees. Of course, it wasn't too good this year either, was it, for Yankee fans? Check this out. The price of Dogecoin jumped overnight after Elon Musk tweeted this picture of a Shiba Inu dog wearing a Twitter T-shirt. That's all it took. Dogecoin has been climbing since Elon Musk uh, took over Twitter. It's now up about 100% uh, since Musk finalized uh, that deal last week. <laughs> Both my dogs... <laughs> have bad, bad, bad kennel cough. Is that why you just coughed? I don't know. <laughs> I have looked and it's possible. You can get it? Yes. <clears throat> There's a total Seinfeld, yeah, at least Andrew, <laughs> He'd be, the mask would be on. Um, there is a Seinfeld where uh, Kramer gets kennel cough and it's, I don't know if he gets kennel cough or he's taking some dog antibiotics and he starts acting like a like because you kiss your dogs every day, so you couldn't. I'm very close to it. my dogs. Yeah, I'm very close. Yeah, I could. We could. We could all definitely get it. Uh, we share everything. Now I'm looking at the camera. Oh. 
And that is Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, would you be so kind to rate or review us? That helps other listeners discover Squawk Pod. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.